This is the Manlyhood Mancast. Here's your host, Josh Hatcher. On the internet, he has uh, definitely been entertaining and a lot of fun to watch as he tells us stories and shows the crazy life he lives. Uh, you know, he grew up a city boy and then decided to be a country boy, and that has created a very interesting, uh, interesting story that he's been kind of unfolding in short little Instagram and TikTok videos. One you know, 60 second video at a time. Uh, and we're going to get into this with Samuel Ayers in just a little bit. But before we do, I want to introduce you to this amazing knife that was made for you. It was made by Travis Haynes at Haynes Knives, and we're going to be giving it away on our website, manlyhood.com slash contests. So just go over there. You can enter to win. It's free to enter. Uh, this knife is gorgeous. It's uh, it's called the Black Pearl, and it's all black. It's, it's just gorgeous steel it's hand forged and um i think you're gonna like it. it's gonna be an excellent addition to your everyday carry collection so make sure you go to manlyhood.com slash contests free to enter if you want to get extra chances you can give me a buck for every chance and it'll give you a chance to win it so we'll be giving it away in season seven so that'll be coming up fairly soon here guys we'll be bringing you Several episodes uh, in Season 7, about a year's worth of content that we've already got planned out, we've started creating, and it's good stuff. So I can't wait to be able to bring that to you. Uh, lots of exciting things are going to be happening in Season 7. But you've been listening to Season 6 this whole time, and you've had some amazing insights into the world of being a man from some amazing guests, including today's guest, Samuel Ayers. Samuel, it is great to have you on the show, man. How's it going? <laughs> Not too bad, man. Not too bad. Just surviving the the frozen northern wastelands here up uh, up in northern Montana. Yeah, it's awesome. I uh, we got hit with you know in Pennsylvania. We're in I'm in Bradford, PA, which is kind of like the icebox of the Northeast. You know, we get really cold temperatures, and it's been really warm. And then we just got hit with this random snowstorm that. Uh, you know, I went into a place and I came out two hours later and we'd gotten like six inches of snow in two hours. I'm like, what just happened? It's crazy. <laughs> so it's, I'm, I, I love the winter. I love the snow, but I've got about a, a few more weeks of it left in me before I just, I, I just lose my shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm done. I'm done with it this year. Why did it's I, been, it's been a crazy year. Why did I move to Montana? <laughs> oh, that question is never asked. That question is never asked. Right. Uh, I'm Which well aware. It's kind of, uh, I know that's kind of your story, right? You know, you were, you were a city boy and then you decided to not. What, tell me about that, man. <laughs> I was about as city boy as they come. I mean, like, I grew up in the suburbs of Southern California. I was more a beach kid than anything. Um, but, you know, I, I wanted to get into, I grew up in the suburbs. I wanted to get into advertising. Uh, went to college for it, and that was all I, all my world was was focusing on building this career. I wanted to be the dude driving the. I had my little two seat roadster convertible. I wore my my three piece suits. I wanted that penthouse corner apartment in L.A. That's all I wanted out of life. Like that was the dream for me, you know. 
and uh that it's a little bit different from from what i'm doing now to say the least um if you had told me or anyone that knew me uh back then funny enough i was just talking uh i had a uh a meeting with an old buddy of mine that knew me right out when i was right out of college and uh, we hopped on zoom and i was like dude would you have ever expected me of all people to be this dude that lives in Montana, like this bearded tattooed guy that lives in Montana on a ranch out in the middle of nowhere, you know, doing all this stuff. He's like, I would have never guessed it, but I wouldn't ever put it past you. He's like, you were the, you were the type of person that is like, you're all in on everything. He's like, anything you do, you just are balls to the wall. Go for it. And he's like, so would I have ever guessed that you would do that? No. Would it have surprised me in the slightest to find out you had? Also no, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, like I wouldn't have pictured you doing that, but I figured if you're gonna, you're gonna go all in on it, right? Yeah, yeah I'm, not the, I'm not the type of guy to get like one chicken. I'm the type of guy to get 40 and then double it, you know, six months later. So what, what, inspired this change for you man what 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 made you go from city boy to country boy i mean that is a whole two-hour podcast in and of itself um it, i'll try and give you the summarized version i mean it, it was kind of because it was such a myriad of different things that mm -hmm. kind of like little bits and pieces that kind of fit in and i'd run into something and it would and it would kind of the puzzle piece would fit and i'd, I'd keep going um a lot of it was uh I, I went to a, a Vegas bachelor party. Uh, <laughs> that Vegas bachelor party resulted in me buying my first gun. Uh, we went to the gun store. We shot all the, you know, fully automatic rifles. And it's like, that's a man shit right there, right? You know, it's like, oh. And I, I went and shot uh, the 50 cal Desert Eagle. I mean, if we want to talk about unnecessary handguns, um, I shot that thing and I just felt it reverberate through my whole body. And I just remember thinking to myself, this is incredible. I have to have one of these. So I went and bought a Desert Eagle. Because <laughs> why not? And, you know, I then my buddy found out that I like to shoot. And uh, so we took this rifle training course together and I got really invested in that and started teaching. Once I started teaching, I was like, well, I want to do more with this. So I started getting interested in the hunting and I started looking into hunting. And at the same time, I, uh, I mean, what motivates half of what we do as men, right? A woman, uh, I started dating this woman and she was super into country music. So I started listening to more country music and like all of these things happened. And I started getting more into hunting and through getting into hunting, I, I started getting attached to different communities and my values started changing and you know i mean i i could really go into detail on a lot of this stuff but like i said it'd be two hours um but it was this kind of gradual change over the course of maybe five years that you know like i said i went from being this clean shaven three-piece suit wearing dude to the guy they go i would go into the office and they'd call me country sam uh <laughs> which was it just high, right? <laughs> it was it was wild but um you know, it was kind of this like gradual change and it was all of these different things. Um, and it was, you you kind of get to the point where you have to take a leap. You know, you can, you can only get so far in the pool before you have to jump in completely, you know? 
And uh, I feel like that was kind of what finally moving to Montana was. Um, I mean, actually, I don't even know if it was finally moving to Montana that I would say was the full leap coming up here, I think is, is the fully into the pool. I got, I got pretty much as close as I could. The hunts I went on, the adventures I took, the, you know, moving to Montana, but I moved outside of Bozeman. I was effectively still in a big city. Um, and coming up here though, I'm 40 miles. It's, it's a little town called Haver, Montana that anyone that knows Montana will probably go, Oh, <laughs> when you tell them about it. Um, it's a teeny little town. It's far North central Montana. I live 40 miles north of that. I'm three miles from the Alberta border crossing. I, you know, I could spit into Canada. Um, and it's remote. It's the most remote I've ever lived. Uh, you know, short of being on hunts, I, I haven't been this far, you know, from a, uh, <laughs> you know, from a, a Walmart in a long time. Um, <laughs> but it, it's really, I just kind of, committed to the lifestyle um you know i i was dabbling enough and i realized like this is something i wanted so screw it i did it you know that's so often i don't know man like it's so often you hear people talk about like oh i wish i could do that or i want to do that i'm like okay so do it like literally just do it and i mean i i had the benefit of at the time you know no wife, no kids, no, you know, it was me and the dogs effectively. So yeah, I could legitimately just pick up and go moving to Montana, like happened over a three day period. I, I was visiting a buddy, we were duck hunting. And he basically said, you're going to take this job. <laughs> and he's like, you can still do all your all your own business stuff. He's like, well, I want you to take this job, we're going to pay for your rent, come out. And so three days later, I had a place basically. <laughs> um, I think that's the thing that so many people get hung up on is, you know, you've got a job or you've got this life and you think this is who I am. I can't change, but I've always wanted to do this. And then they'll just like stay there, you know, mm -hmm. and you don't really have to, I mean, for you, it was packing up and moving to Montana for some people. It could be just as simple as making a change in their lifestyle or doing something different. And it's like, yeah, be who you want to be, man. That's awesome. You know, bro, I should really I should really start working out. Well, get your fat ass off the couch and start working out then. Like literally do some burpees in your living room. Like you don't even have to go to the gym. Yeah. Do something, you know? And exactly. it's you get so much of that. Like and I get it. I get it. You know, if if I'd been married and, you know, uh had kids and all of this stuff, I would have had to make those choices. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the choice would have been harder or more complicated to make, but not impossible. Yeah. You know, well, and it's, you know, the, the whole concept of like, Oh, well, I wish I could do that. It's like, you can, I don't give a shit who you are. You can do that. Uh, it's just, you're not willing to sacrifice to do it. Are you willing to sacrifice your comfort? Are you willing to sacrifice your bank account? Are you willing to sacrifice your, complete and utter sanity by switching, you know, from your, your full-time job to your side hustle to give yourself more and less freedom at the same time. But, right, um, right. you know, what so, are you willing to sacrifice? So tell me more about your ranch, your life. Like 
like I mean you I I say ranch very loosely. <laughs> Homestead would probably be a little more accurate term. Uh you know, I I think the technical term is ranch cuz I don't grow crops. Uh so it's not a farm, but I don't know. I'm I'm getting in the weeds here. Uh homestead would be a more accurate term. It's it's a uh, 7 acres. Um it is it is a very abused seven acres. I got this thing for a steal, and there's a reason I got it for a steal. It, um, the term the term we use up here is it's it's pretty farmered together. Um, it's just <laughs> it was what was done was the bare minimum that needed to be done to get something to work. Stuff's duct taped together. Things are. You never know what's going to happen when you flip a light switch in this place. You don't you don't know if the the light right in front of you is going to go on or one in the back of the house is going to go on. This place is bizarre. But uh it is up in the middle of nowhere. Um 7 acres. It's a pretty big place. Um but the thing that really drew me to it was it had a full 1200 square foot workshop with a roll top door and it had an old barn built in the 1920s that was I mean, it's, it's got holes in it and, you know, cracks in all the boards and everything, but that thing is solid as a rock. Um, I'd probably feel safer in that thing than I do in my house if a tornado came through here. <laughs> um, but it's Montana, so we don't get those. Right. Just but Chinese yeah, it's a Cool property, man. I've got, you know, since I've moved here, I've done, I've done some renovations. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm working on refinishing my basement. I've built a gym, whole gym down there. Um, with some some very farmered together gym equipment too, uh, you know I've got the good old fashioned uh, uh, black pipe uh, pull up bar bolted in with the flanges. Um, I think the the one I'm proudest of right now is my cable machine that I built. It's uh, just with some some pulleys and cable from the hardware store, and then I uh, I attached them to some pipe fittings with a flange, so you can just slide your weight plates down on it. And you can do, you know, I have the different. I made different, like the rope pull attachments and all that crap. Like, it's you know, it's very farming together, but it, it's it's a very satisfying workout. And um, I've refinished a lot of the barn. Uh, I uh, I've got, gosh, five goats now, uh, and I think I'm up to oh a hundred hundred some chickens, something like that. I uh, got some got some rabbits. Um, Got more goats coming, hoping to get some llamas. llamas. That's the that's there gonna you be go. that's gonna be the next. If you can spring for alpacas, you get a little more uh, value out of them because you can get a lot of money for the wolves from the wool from the alpaca. So yeah, but uh, they're just not aggressive enough for me. I need I need I I want the llamas <laughs> one as packers if I can if I can get them big enough, and two as guardian animals. I want some aggressive yeah. ass llamas that'll scare away the coyotes. My my neighbor. Uh, that I used to rent from years ago out here. And I've, I've grown up in the country. So country life is, you know, we raised meat rabbits and chickens and, and the whole nine yards for a long time. Um, but uh, my neighbor, we rented from him and he had a, an emu that would get loose. And they want to talk about nasty. an aggressive guard animal, an emu, dude, they will like attack anything. <laughs> those things are nasty yeah i've seen a lot of i've seen a lot of videos of those i'm i think i'm good i think i'm good staying without the emus i've got some geese also coming this uh i've got some african geese coming i don't know this may something like that um 
and uh, those those will be those will be aggressive enough birds for me. Those things will mess yeah. you up. <laughs> or swans. Swans are also pretty aggressive. Oh yeah. I don't I don't I don't feel like digging a digging a pond for the, a pond. the swans yeah. though. <laughs> so uh Sam, I found out about you from your TikTok. I think that's where I first kind of ran into you, <laughs> which is like seventy five percent of you making self effacing jokes about your love life or lack of lack thereof. And then twenty five percent, you know, you're working in your workshop or you're working on the farm and goofing off and having fun. And uh that's definitely been uh it's, I think it's probably the best part of my feed if I'm scrolling on the internet <laughs> to seeing the goofy stuff you're up to, man. It's uh, TikTok is wild, man. I always, you know, I'm a, I just turned 40 uh, uh, two weeks ago. And uh, when I started my TikTok, it was a few years back. And, uh, you know, I run a, I run a marketing business, a, a digital marketing business. Uh, I also have my own lifestyle brand and a podcast, and it's all kind of tied together with the outdoors and hunting and fishing and homesteading. And uh, some of my employees for the marketing side of things, they, they were crawling up my butt and they were like, Sam, you got to get on TikTok. Like, Man, I am, I think I was like 37, like I'm 37 years old. I don't need to be on TikTok of all things. I'm like, no, man, got to get on there. It's going to grow your brand. So I finally, I finally kind of started grumpy old manning it for a while. And once I realized I could make money on TikTok, then I was fully committed. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. It was always the kind of just I, I'm the kind of guy that just throws everything at the wall and post would post a bunch of stuff and see what sticks. I figure, you know, if one out of 10 posts goes viral, boom. And, I, you know, it's been a while since I posted. I've just been busy and needed a good mental health break from social yeah. media. But one of my last videos uh, it's my most popular one hit 4.5 million views. I, I put up a dating application. I went and, uh, I was standing out in front of my barn with my coffee and, uh, it's, I always get these comments like, Oh, where can I apply? How do I get in on this? And I was like, screw it. Made it, made an application, put it at link in the bio. It's just a Google form. And I made it like super offensively intrusive. Uh -huh. Um, thinking like, okay, I might get a few joke applications, whatever, you know, be funny. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm, we're talking, they had to upload a headshot, put in their height, weight, financial status, uh, <laughs> how their last relationships ended. Like it was like 25 questions long. <laughs> put this in. I think the total is up over 5,500 responses. <laughs> Well, you know, <laughs> the internet's a weird place, dude. It's a weird it's freaking like, place. You know, you inadvertently became the object of desire for women all across the country just by <laughs> Dude, and we're talking like applicants from 18 to 67 was the age range. Dude, man, those older ones, they probably know how to take care of the homestead. Don't get me wrong, I may have sorted by the uh, like the the older women and uh, the higher uh, financial bracket. You know, just <laughs> guys got to look, right? <laughs> I kid. I kid. <laughs> Lord. My wife and I are celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary and I'm like, you know, and I don't know if it's that our I'm sure it's that our relationship has grown, but like I think she gets hotter every day, you know? So, you know, the older they are, I mean, hey, there's something to that. So <laughs> no, dude, that's I, I don't think I'm going for the 67 year old uh, <laughs> widow, though. 
I mean, that, yeah, then you have time to start over too. So, <laughs> shoot, bro. <laughs> I have a bad sense of humor. It gets me in trouble a lot. So. Oh man, I'm trying to I'm trying to keep I'm trying to keep it at about fifty percent right now. <laughs> so, uh, one of the things too that you've talked a little bit about on there, and I like that it's that you don't talk about it a lot because I think that it, um, well, there's a reason for it, you know. But you mentioned you talked about uh, becoming a foster parent, which yeah, that's um. That first of all, that that's another reason I think I related to you and and what you're doing because my wife and I did that for a while as well, and that was something that was always in our hearts. But as a single young, well, relatively young, right? I mean, in comparison, you know, single guy. I don't know that memento mori chart's looking awfully black. (laughs) (laughs) Eligible bachelor, you know, in the middle of nowhere, Montana, decides to take in some kids. What? Can you tell me a little bit about that story? It's, you know, you you mentioned me being a little bit self-effacing about my uh, relationship status on TikTok and my past relationships. Um, I've I've honestly had a really bad run of relationships recently. Uh, it's been like every year, never fail for like the past three years. Um, like incredibly toxic people like i've had bad relationships before they just haven't ended well this is like beyond toxic level of narcissism and things like that it's pretty wild um and you know i'm getting older and i've wanted to start a family and um i uh i really just had no prospects for it um and you know i've always kind of considered adoption or fostering it's just kind of floated in the back of my head and i'm like I don't know. It's I'm not, I doubt it's for me. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm like a single dude. I've never been married. I live out in the middle of nowhere by myself. Nobody's going to give me a kid for one. And, uh, you know, I'm out, uh, out of my church, uh, on sun one Sunday and we have a guest speaker and he, uh, works in, in the foster community. And he came and spoke and I went and talked to him and he's like, Oh no, there's a huge need, uh, you know, people, I'm sure you would be a great foster parent. I'm like, ah, okay, whatever. I'll sign. It was literally like, yeah, I'll sign up for info. All of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm having a call with him. And then he's like, Hey, I can help you, you know, connect you with the right people. So you can at least like get into the training and find out more. And then like, all of a sudden it's this giant snowball that just kind of happened because I went into this training. Um, and I'd mentioned, I'd mentioned to him in the training, I'm like, yeah, you know, uh, I'm really interested in taking like teenagers, older kids. Uh, and, you know, I'd be open to taking siblings, things like that. And I be- suddenly became the most popular man in Montana mm-hmm. for like, <laughs> it was, um, you want what? <laughs> exactly. I mean, the, literally the day after my training, like this is supposed to be like an almost six month process to go through the day after my training, like not a, a couple weeks in, they're already getting calls about me. They're like, hey, uh, is that that Sam guy? Is he approved yet for placements? We've got some. <laughs> and uh, because of that, they had a placement come up and I got a call and they they uh, gave me a provisional license early. Um, and so this last September uh, had two preteens. Now one is a teenager uh, and uh, two preteen boys um, come to live with me. They're 
honestly amazing kids. You kind of go into the fostering system and they give you the worst case scenario, right? They kind of tell you all the horror stories about all these things, things that could happen and, you know, okay, they're going to be emotionally damaged and they're going to like yell at you or not talk to you. And uh, they're going to break things or they're going to kick your dog or, you know, all this stuff. These kids, these are the two coolest kids. Um, very sweet kids. Uh, you know, they're, they're well-behaved. There's issues here and there, but they're the coolest kids, man. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it is just me out here. Um, being 40 miles from town definitely adds some extra complexity. Fortunately, there's like this little country ass school about 20 halfway into town that they go to. It's like full little house on the prairie, like one room schoolhouse. Um, it's really cool, but it, also, uh, it may add some complexity, but it also probably removes some other complexity as well. You know, there's, because, there's a lot of stuff I don't have to deal with in town with them. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't have to worry about them falling in with the wrong kids because there's like seven kids at their school <laughs> and I know all of them and their parents at this point, yeah. you know, exactly. Um, it's, it's, it's tough though. You know, it's, I run my own business, you know, I, I have a bunch of stuff to do on the property. I'm trying to remodel this whole house. Cause I eventually would like to sell this place and buy something somewhere closer to the mountains. Um, you know, I'm, I'm keeping the animals. I do bladesmithing on the side. You know, we didn't even touch on that. Uh, you know, I forge knives. Um, you know, I do all this stuff and I used to be able to, you know, I'd wake up, wake up at 4am. I do my workout. I do my morning reading this stuff. I'd go take care of the animals and then I'd work as late as I needed to work. Um, now it's, you know, I get up, I do a lot of that same stuff, but then I have to make sure I'm back taking care of the animals in time to get the boys lunches made, make sure they're up and doing their workout. That's one thing, you know, um, I'm pretty hard on them. I ride them like a drill sergeant. I'm not, I've, I straight up told him, I'm like, we'll have fun, but we'll have fun as long as you do what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and you know, it's, I'm, I'm pretty tough on them because they are cool kids and I see that they have a lot of potential and, uh, I want to, I don't know how long I'm going to have them. So I want to instill as much structure and discipline into their lives and tools that they can use and take with them. Cause I mean, they could be gone next month or they could still be with me in, in four years. You never know. And, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, I used to do all this stuff and work as late as I could, but now I got to get to school and that's 20 mile drive for me to take them to school. So that's almost, you know, 40 minutes at, uh, out of my day in the morning, 40 minutes out of my day in the evening. Then I got to make sure I'm there to pick them up at the right time. Once they're home, Work doesn't get done when they're home. I got to make dinner. And then they got questions, help them with their homework. They always want to do something. And uh, some days I do kind of, I, I, I joked, I was joking with uh, one of my, one of my uh, foster connections. And I was like, man, heard all of these great stories about like sullen teenagers that don't want to talk to you. <laughs> I get the two that want to give me half hour descriptions of the bug they saw during their re game of tag at recess. <laughs> yeah. Hey man, and you know, as a parent who raised four kids and had some foster kids, and we mostly did like respite care, like so we were helping mm -hmm. 
the foster parents by taking the kids for a week or a weekend or however long they needed. Uh, and we had a few long-term situations, but like you will remember and appreciate those moments, you know, like, so if it ever feels like you're like, Oh man, like this is crazy. Like it, it's worth it. It's worth yeah. it. It totally is. So, but um, yeah, Newt, I think that it's awesome that you, that you uh, decided to do that. And I think that more men should consider it. I think I fought it for a long time. My wife was all about it and she wanted to have 50 kids. <laughs> and I'm like, I fought it for a long time. And finally I'm like, all right, let's do this. And well, I mean, uh, it was I think good. there's such a stigma against men. I mean, like not to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but there really is against masculinity and men. And I, I think because of that, a lot of guys like myself just immediately think like there, there's no way I can do this. Like there's no one's going to give me a kid. Like, it's not even that we're really against the idea as much as it's just like, no, it's not going to happen. Like, and I, I think at least that's what it was for me as a single guy. Uh, you know, it's like, we can't even go to amusement parks by ourselves because we're all horrible people. Apparently. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I think that is one of the biggest barriers is, is needing to realize there's a huge need and no, we can, we can do stuff like that. And, um, you know, I was, I was kind of talking about it and I, I had the benefit of not being able to think about it, not being able to overthink it and talk myself out of it because it all happened so fast. You know, I signed up for the information. It was a zoom call. That's zero commitment. Right. And then He's like, well, I can just pass your information along and, you know, they can get you. And then all of a sudden I'm like, well, OK, yeah, that's not a big deal. And then I'm like, oh, I'll sit in on the training, just, you know, get ahead of it and make sure I want to do this. And then it just kind of kept happening and happening and happening. And, um, you know, I wasn't able to talk myself out. I think if I had gotten a chance to, like, sit and overthink this instead of just doing it, um, I probably wouldn't be doing it now. And I wouldn't have had this experience in your life, man. Exactly, man. Like, (laughs) honestly, well, it's like what we were talking about earlier, right? You know, we sit around and we don't do anything. We plan, we contemplate. Like I had, I had quit my job and was running my own business and I was staying with family, you know, to quote unquote, save up for a house. I, I was just looking for the perfect time to move. I was looking for the time when like my business was going to be running perfectly and I was going to have a consistent flow of income that was just that I I could really rely on. And then, you know, I was going to, I was going to be in a good place financially and my credit cards were going to be paid off and this and that. And I was going to have all these, I was going to have all my ducks in a row. Right. And, um, I had no ducks when I moved to Montana, man. Yeah, they're on order now. <laughs> yeah. No, it's no, just it's, like it's not ducks. That's right. <laughs> I mean, there's never going to be a perfect time. You can sit and contemplate and plan and wait for your sign and the right moment, or you can just do it. The best trips I've taken, like, were just. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go on a road trip. I went and rented. Like, I I I was working full time. I just come back from uh, a big like work trip working in the, I was working in the music festival industry at the time, just come back from a a big trip for work. And I was like, I can't just go back to the office. Like I'm exhausted. I just need some time for me. And 
my boss had just quit. So I pretty much sent out an email just saying like, Hey, I'm working remote for the next three weeks. Like I would gotten it approved. Um, and I just took off. I rented a truck and I kind of had some waypoints, but I spent, uh, what was it? Uh, six, no, three and a half weeks. The second trip was six weeks, three and a half weeks, just driving around the Rocky mountain West in a truck. I think I did 6,000 miles in three weeks, slept in my truck with my dogs almost every night. And I just went for it. Like I didn't have places to stay. Like I knew people in most of these States. I had that benefit. I could call people up and we'd hang out and have a beer and I'd go on a hike. You know, I went and saw elk and bison and this, and I checked out lakes and climbed mountains and the weather ranged from below freezing to, uh, over a hundred degrees, <laughs> the different places I went. And I mean, it was absolutely amazing. And so the next year I said, screw it. I did an 8,000 mile road trip over six weeks and visited like 14 different States. I drove all the way to North Carolina from California and it was, you know, it wasn't a hundred percent on a whim, but it wasn't like I planned it out for six months. I mean, I just kind of packed my shit and went, man. Like, and I think so often in life, we don't give ourselves enough credit that we can figure shit out, right? Like we'll, we'll sit and plan because we're worried and we got to, you know, and especially as men, like, uh, you know, we have the, we want to be able to, if you have a family, provide for them and protect them. And you want to, you want to make sure you can take care of those around you and yourself and you can be capable. Um, you, you know, but I think we don't, credit ourselves enough for what we are capable of and like this fostering thing i would have talked myself out of it because i didn't have answers for how i was going to get them to school and run my business and you know what am i going to do in this situation and well in that situation i just figure it out like shit they haven't died yet <laughs> i mean they're still kicking and breathing i keep getting good feedback so i'm doing something right um, and I think just so many of those best moments in our lives are, are so unplanned. It's just when we finally made a decision to do something and, and chase after something we want, like, you know, I, I mean, getting these dumb goats, like I was like, yeah, it'd be nice to have goats one day. And now I've got five. Cause I, well, also that it has also something to do with my self-control issues, but, um, <laughs> you know, right. it was just like it was kind of these situations that I just kind of went for it. And, um, you know, I, I think you end up with the best results and you know what? We're so scared of failure too. Right. Cause as men, you know, we've got to, got to protect and all that stuff. And so if we fail, you know, God forbid. So we don't, we don't think big enough. Right. We don't think big enough. We don't go for things unless we're actually sure that we're going to um, that we're going to succeed. And I, when, when you're the type of person that goes pedal to the metal, full tilt against everything, when you hit a brick wall, you hit it really fucking hard, <laughs> really hard, but you get places so much quicker too. You know, I can, I, in the time, one person can get to the end of the path. Like I can, I can 
I can hit 10 brick walls, but still make it there 10 times faster than they will, you know? Like, I'll run into more obstacles, I'll, I'll fall down, I'll end up bruised, I'll end up hurt a lot more than most people because I just, I just go. I don't always look before I leap. Um, which, you know, isn't, I'm not saying everyone needs to be exactly that way, but I think there's just some more, more people need to be a little more like that, you know, okay, look before you leap, but don't sit and analyze the distance and this and that and that, blah, 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 blah. Okay, Jesse, yeah, look, make sure you're not going to die and then take your leap. You know, it's, it's like, yeah. You may eat shit on the other side, but you know what? You made it across. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know. I, I, I got a lot of mixed metaphors in there. So right. it's good. It's good. I think about like even just starting this podcast. I mean, I started Manlyhood 10 years ago and it was just a blog and I'm like, I want to do a podcast. I really want to do that. And I remember talking to Ryan Mickler at Order of Man. Yep. And he's like, uh, dude, just start. Just start before you're ready. I'm like, I'm not ready to do that. He's like, just start before you're ready. And so I did. And if I look back at the early episodes – I'm like, yeah, I wasn't ready, <laughs> you know, but that's part of the story. That's part of the journey, you know, is that it took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do with it. And it was, it's a lot better and more rewarding to figure it out on the job than it is to sit around and never start it, you know? Well, so much of that stuff you would never figure out. Like it, you don't know until you fail at it, you know, right. Or, or not even fail at it just till you don't tell you've tried it and okay yeah it's not optimal so you you optimize it you make changes you make adjustments you don't know what those adjustments are gonna be until you've actually gotten that far you know i always talk about it kind of like a, a road trip you know you start your road trip and you're like you know what i want to go to montana that's all you know is that you want to go to Montana and like you can do a little bit of research and dig down for sure. But until you get there, you know, you're like, you know what, actually, I want to go to that mountain range in Montana. Once you get closer to that mountain range, you're like, you know what, there's that cool like wooded spot. I bet that has a really cool view. I want to go to that ridge on that mountain range. Then you get closer. You're like, you know what, there's a lake up there, bro. I want to go to that lake. You get closer. You're like, oh. I see that perfect camping spot right there. You know, you make those little adjustments. When you started that trip, you may not have known about that mountain range, that ridge, none of that. You make those adjustments as you as you go. As you get closer, you gain more clarity and you can improve and get better. It's everything we do is is they're waypoints, they're stepping stones. And um you know, you mentioned you mentioned Ryan and uh, I'm a member of uh, his iron council group. And, you know, we talk about battle plans in there. We set our battle plans. And I talk a lot about vision when I talk about my battle plans and um, having a vision is so important because um, it gives you, it gives you an end destination, gives you a place where you can, a direction you can head for your future because otherwise you know all these waypoints you're making in your life they're just willy-nilly until you have a direction you want to go until you know you want to go to montana you know again you may not know about that lake yet but until you know you want to go to montana you know you don't you, you don't know what waypoints to make you know you could you could end up in florida or texas or you know somewhere 
all over the place until you have a direction, until you have a destination. And um, so often, you know, we do so many things to become better men and grow as men, but it's, it's directionless. And it's like, okay, that may work. For, and I think it's because we watch what other guys are doing and we're like, yeah, I need to do that to become a better man. Right. It's like, well, does it align with who you want to be other than being just a better man? Like that's so, that's so vague. Like, yeah. Okay. We all want to be better men. Great, bro. Woo. Good for you. Like, you know, that's so vague. Get specific. What is a better man to you? What do you want to achieve? What do you want to have? What do you want to do? Who do you want to be? Get detailed stop living somebody else's life, you know, uh, define what being a better man is for you. So you don't, um, so you don't waste all this time, like going over here, going over here, going over here. You can pick that most direct route to the person you want to be and enjoy life as that person. I mean, you know, we never really get there. Right. Like, I think if, if you're anything like me, you just, I don't want to say constantly unsatisfied, um, even though that probably is a, a, a little bit accurate. Um, but it's just like, there's always that striving and that desire to chase something and improve and to grow and, to, uh, you know, and to get better every single day. Man, I, I kind of went off on a little bit of a no, rant there. Stuff. Yeah. And I was thinking about this too. Like, yeah, you get that vision of who you want to be and then you get there and then, guess what? You've got time if you want to be somebody else too. You know, I mean, that's kind of your story, you know, like, you know, Hey, I had success and I had a good life, but I wanted to try this. So I did, <laughs> you know, like, like, that's, uh, the, that's the other thing too. If we, so often when we like codify something like, uh, and write it down, we almost feel like, okay, I'm committed to this come hell or high water. No, man. Like, <laughs> Just because you wrote on a sheet of lined paper, like after you had one too many whiskeys that you want to do this, you know, you want to become a bull rider, like, um, you know, okay, cool. You go there, but you may, you may get to that, that mountain ridge in Montana. You'd be like, this, this place sucks. Hell no. I want to go. I want to go to Colorado. Like, you know, which (laughs) you can. Yeah. You're right. Like it's, it's malleable. It's, it's like, so I don't know. I feel like it, we're scared to do things. And then once we decide on them, we're scared of failing. And then, and so we don't commit to them. But then once we commit to them, we feel like when we, we can't decide that that's not the right thing for us anymore because we committed to it. Yeah. <laughs> we're kind of dumb sometimes, man. Yeah. I, I would definitely agree with that. I've been there. So, uh, yeah, hearing about your life, dude, and the, the, you know, your mini farm, I guess we'll call it, but a hundred chickens isn't really a mini farm, but the, the home, the homestead, the homestead. The homestead. That's what I've been calling you know, it lately. Like, you know, it sounds like, like you've got a pretty good life going for you. And, uh, it's kind of cool to think that, yeah, who knows what's next, man? Like you'd be like, all right, I got all these kids. We're going to, we might have like 50 of them. And you might be like, we need a bigger place. You know, who knows, <laughs> you know, let's take them all to California again. You know, <laughs> who knows that it, it, it can't even say things like that. That's just not even funny. <laughs> California. Jeez. Just my wife and I just went out and visited. Um, uh, we were in uh, Murrieta near Temecula uh, for a week. And I'm like, I get there and I'm like, oh, now I see why people live in California. This is a pretty cool place. Oh, yeah. But, you know, we deliberately avoided the city. 
there's there's a lot of wonderful things about California, and you know, I could go, I could go down that rabbit hole for a while. There's a lot of wonderful things about California, I and it is just. It is. There's a lot more not wonderful things. <laughs> it was great for a week. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But um, well, yeah, I mean, never know what's gonna, never know what's gonna come down the road. Um, you know, I I I make my plans and and I I work towards them, and then suddenly things happen sooner. Some things happen later. Things flip. You never know. Yeah, being flexible is important. So I love that you, uh, the, I, I, one of the things that I'm, I'm kind of interested in is, is the bladesmithing. You know, I've, I've always okay. wanted to kind of do that, but I've never had the opportunity. Uh, what is, what is that like for you? Is that just a creative side hustle? Do you make money doing it or is it more of a hobby or a, what is it? You know, it's one of those things. I feel like every dude at one point in their life is like, you know what? I need to make a knife. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think that's like just a rite of passage as a man. Like it's, I think. I don't know. I feel like we all have thought that at one point, and, you know, I, I'd, I'd had, uh, I'd, I'd always kind of been interested in it, but it was nothing I ever really thought I would take on. And, uh, uh, on my podcast, I had one of my guests and she actually wrote a book on beginner knife making. And I was like, okay, well, you know, check out her book and you support my guest. And so I picked up a copy and I read through it. I'm like, Oh, this is pretty cool. I might try some of this stuff. And, um, as we discussed earlier, I don't just dabble in things. <laughs> Look, I'm interested in this for five minutes. It is now part of my identity. It sounds like classic ADHD symptoms to me, man. <laughs> oh, it's full blown ADHD, bro. I can, I can sew you a Halloween costume right now, make you a knife, stitch you, a stitch you a leather <laughs> sheath for the knife. I can go bake you some bread with from the yep. chicken eggs I just collected and the goat's milk I just milked. <laughs> I was freaking milking a goat this morning, dude. Um, <laughs> like, I can do that. I can kill you an animal, cook you an incredible dinner with it. Like, I am full-blown ADHD. I see things. Like, I, I, I crochet. Like, what? I mean, in fairness, again, that was trying to impress chicks in college. I learned that, but you know, it works probably, you know, so yeah, I, no, made, I made some damn fine scarves. So let's just say yeah, that I'm, I have a similar skill set. Yeah. Between being a poet and being able to sew and yeah, I get you. I, I kind of, and, and to be honest, if you, nothing else, make yourself more capable, right? Exactly. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm a single dude. Like I've been perpetually single for a long time. So who's going to sew the buttons on your jeans if you pop one off, you know? Exactly. It, it it gets a bit ridiculous when you're, you know, 40 years old calling up mom. <laughs> hey, mom, can I overnight you a pair of jeans? <laughs> like, homie, come on. But, you know, the bladesmithing thing, it was, uh, you know, I mean, I, I got started pretty cheap and easy. I bought like a $100 forge on Amazon. I was going to build my own, but then I just, I'm like, my time's worth a lot more than this hundred bucks. Um, so I, I just bought a little cheapo hundred dollar propane forge on Amazon, bought some steel. I went to the local, uh, like th one of the local, like just thrift shops. I are like, uh, I don't know. They just kind of collect a bunch of old shit. Um, and I found like a steel I beam, you know, or, uh, some people use railroad ties to start, uh, found some old hammers and tongs and, I just started making shit and 
I went to the University of YouTube and I read my friend's book and I watched a crap ton of Forged in Fire, which <laughs> we always joke about, but I've learned a lot from Forged yeah. in Fire. I've that, learned a lot of stuff a not great to do. job at explaining everything. Yeah, it's an educational show. It really, I mean, it, it really is like a surprising amount of stuff. I do also sit there, you know, again, and I'm I'm yelling at these professional bladesmiths like, guys, what are you doing? Why are you quenching it so hot, idiot? <laughs> um, but that's, uh, <laughs> I think that's just natural with all uh, reality television. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, I just kind of threw myself into it and I, I discovered I do have a talent for it. Like my first blade was absolute hot garbage. My second one was freaking awesome. Um. I kind of figured some stuff out. I, I got it out of my system early and then I started working on stuff And you know, every blade I would make, unless it was a specific commission for someone, even if it was a commission for someone, I would try and work something in, but something that I hadn't tried before or hadn't done before or learn a new skill or a new handle type or, you know, uh, like daggers are one of the most difficult things you can make as a bladesmith. Cause you know, normally you have like, two edges that you need to kind of get even with on a dagger. You have to have four edges that are all even got to get that center line straight or else it looks like hot garbage. And um, I think like the fourth knife I ever made was a dagger. And uh, my, my buddy who is uh, who I met, um, he found me on Instagram and he's like, Hey, um, can I come forge at your place? He's like, I'm a experienced blacksmith. I just don't have any place to forge anymore. Cause I moved. Uh, I can bring over my tools and you can use them and I can show you tips. Can I, I just forge with you? And he's been a long-term friend ever since, but he told me, he's like, dude, you started making that thing. He's like, he's like, I never thought, I never thought it would come together ever in a million years. He's like, it was like your fourth knife. And it's to this day, it's one of the coolest, coolest little pieces I've ever made. And it's got this geometric handle and, um, you know, it's just, it's a blast to try things new. It, it, it's a creative outlet for sure. And it's kind of self-sustaining. You know, I, um, I, I'm able to sell the knives I make. Uh, I have a few kind of more production style runs of knives, but in fairness, I haven't been in the shop in like four months. Uh, cause it's well, one been freezing ass cold in Montana yeah. and two <laughs> it's life's a little more complex now with, uh, yeah. two preteen boys. But, uh, yeah, it's it's wild, man. It's it's a lot of fun and it's cool. It's cool like it's such a everything about it is just so like masculine, you know? Yeah, yeah when there are certain things that you do when you do that. And I think everybody has a thing that when I do this I feel manly, you know? Yeah, mm -hmm. making a knife is pretty pretty much like that. Hey, I've got a couple questions I got to ask you. I like to ask all my guests yep. this. Sam, what do you uh what do you think it takes to be a man? takes to be a man um i mean i mean aside from the uh the the obvious stuff which is apparently not so obvious right, uh, right. <laughs> these days uh you gotta you gotta be born with the right equipment the right chromosomes um what does it take to be a man you know it's it's a tough question. Um, like, like trying to think deeper other than the obvious. I mean, for me, it's a desire to, um, 
to really take care of others, uh, to lead, um, it's, it's weird. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to really put into words kind of what I've got, what I've got kind of spinning around in my head. Um, I don't know, for me, it's a, it's a desire to, to be capable, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, capable in everything I do. That's, you know, whether it's taking care of a, a home on my own, raising, raising these boys, um, you know, whether it's hunting, whether it's uh, leading other men, whatever I do, I want to be capable in that. Um, you know, I don't think that's necessarily unique to only men. But, um, you know, I, I don't know, this question's, this question's a tough one for me. Um, what is a man? I don't know. I think it's any, with that capability thing, any situation you put me in, I'm, I am capable is, I guess, kind of where I want to be is, whatever, whatever I run into, whatever I encounter, um, whatever life throws at me, whatever troubles, whatever situations or obstacles, whatever that is, I'm confident and I'm capable in tackling those. Um, and I think it's, it's not, it's not that we're perfect in everything. It's that we're striving towards that and we're, we're working towards that. And, because I think masculinity, there's there's kind of a a weight that comes with that, like a, a an expectation. A, I don't want to say burden, but um, you, you know, toxic masculinity is the is always the word, right? You know, toxic man, toxic masculinity is important. You know. It, who who do they who do they look look for uh towards you know when when shit goes south it's it's those same qualities that they that uh society deems as toxic right strength and and capability for violence and uh the capability to take charge without necessarily considering someone else's feelings and all of these toxic things it's it's when the shit hits the fan that's what people go for and I don't know if I'm really answering the question or not. Like, I don't, I don't feel like I have a, a super spectacular answer, insightful answer for, um, you know, what is a, what is a man? I don't think it's a bad answer at all. I think that walking through that, that's honestly why we're doing all of what we're doing here is because taking the time for us all to think about it, I think is part of that process, you know? And yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think that was a lot in there that was a great answer and a great springboard for conversation. So I think you answered it very well. Oh, Sam, if you were to run into the 10 year old version of yourself, you know, I don't know if you'd hop in a car, yeah. like, you know, in a DeLorean and get it to 88 miles an hour or what, but you have a conversation with a 10 year old version of you. What do you want to tell yourself? Oh, Stop spending so much damn money. Um, 
like i mean honestly that is that is one of the huge things is find financial freedom um the stuff i you know the stuff you're going to want to spend your money on don't find better things and i think honestly i I'd, I'd say that but really what what that ties back to is vision um and i would i you know it may not be as interesting to a 10 year old but uh, if i could instill it if i could magically get myself to listen and be interested um i would i would talk myself through constructing a vision um because so much of what I think about and, you know, a lot of it was that ADHD and just wanting to learn to do things. But so much of it was just me not having a direction and trying to figure things out and be different people and and get what other people had and, you know, spending hundreds of dollars a night at bars. And, you know, if I could if I could go back and just tell myself to pick a direction and focus on that um, and really, and, and stop getting distracted by all of this other stuff outside that, um, you know, I think that would take care of a lot and that would definitely take care of those financial issues. But, you know, super tactically, yeah, I'd, I'd say uh, sort out your finances. Yeah. Stay, <laughs> As my brother put it, he gave me the – at my graduation, he gave me the best advice anyone's ever given me. He said, Sam, when you uh, – now that now that you're going into college, uh, he said, uh, I want to give you two pieces of advice, two things to stay away from. He said, women and credit cards, and you'll live a happy life. <laughs> and I failed at both royally. Um, oh, there you go. That was some excellent advice, which brings me to my next question. And maybe it's the same thing, <laughs> but what is your best advice for the men listening today? Um, it honestly, uh, swallow your pride a little bit. Um, you know, uh, it, it all ties into that vision without just saying like, write yourself a vision. Cause I feel like we write such ineffective visions. You know, we, we don't, we don't strive high enough because we're too concerned about where we are now. Um, yeah, where we are now matters uh, because that is, you know, we have to create those waypoints from where we are to where we want to be. But just because, you know, someone's a lot closer to, to this than I am doesn't mean that I can't also get there. So you know, strive higher with what you want in life. Be detailed. Again, we're not detailed because we're afraid if we commit to something, if we put it down, we might fail at it. Yeah, guess what? We're going to fail at a lot of shit. Might as well fail. If you're going to fail at something, might as well make it failing because you're trying something that's way out here. You know what? It it hurts my pride a lot less when I fail at this giant, enormous, ridiculous thing that I'm trying to do versus failing at this like little half-ass thing that I, you know, kind of barely committed to. Like it's 
I, I can at least say, be like, that was ridiculous for me to even try. So who cares if I fail at it? Right. You know? Um, so, you know, go after, go after crazy shit. Don't ever say I can't do that. Or I wish I, I wish I could do that. You know, um, figure out what you would need to sacrifice to do something. Um, cause you can like, I mean, shit, you could move to Montana right now. Like, um, it may not be worth the sacrifice to you, but you know, you could, you could do something like this. You could, you could foster kids. You can move to the middle of nowhere and start a, a life try, trying to build a self-sustaining life. Um, you can go somewhere where it's harsh weather. You can learn to hunt. You can do become a bladesmith. You know, you can you don't need a bunch of stuff to forge your first blade. You can do it with some very basic stuff, half of which if you've got a stocked garage, you probably already have. Um just figure out what you need to do and do it. Write that vision. Don't worry if it changes. Don't worry about failing. Just fucking shoot for the stars, man. Um, like, but like, you know, seriously, like, just don't limit yourself and make things big and have get excited about it. You know, that's the other thing is, is when you start getting specific, you start getting excited, right? Like, cause, cause those things are tangible. When you write things like, you know, I want to be a leader. Okay, great. Like, do you want to? Who do you want to lead? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, okay, you know, you know, I want to, I want to be a deacon in my church. And then I also want to lead this, uh, you know, lead this weekend discussion group and, uh, you know, and, and find those specifics. And again, man, you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, I don't know if I want that for sure. Who cares if you think you might want to put it down, you'll get, when you get closer, you'll get, you'll gain more clarity. And yeah, you'll have to pivot. Oh no, you lost, you lost a few months. You lost a year, whatever. You know, it's, yeah. if you, if you weren't, if you weren't moving, you would have lost that year anyway. Right. So right. I don't know. That's kind of, kind of rambly, but just like grab onto, grab onto stuff, man. Just stop, stop walking by that piece of paper on your floor that you look at every time you're like, man, I got to pick that piece of paper up and throw it away. You know? Stop, stop doing that. I, I talk with the guys, uh, you know, the, uh, the guys in the group I lead. Um, I always tell them, I call it paper on the floor syndrome because that's the example I always get. And I always ask them, I'm like, okay, this week, what's your paper on the floor? What's the one thing that you need to do or you want to do that you've been avoiding? It's like, man, I got it. I've really been wanting to swap out, you know, these fluorescent light fixtures in the house or whatever. Why haven't I done it yet? It's just, it's because I keep talking about doing it and not doing it. So I'm going to get my ass up from this desk and I'm going to go pull out a fluorescent, flip off a breaker first, dear Lord, yes. Then pull out the fluorescent light fixture and put up this new thing I bought way back on Black Friday. Like, <laughs> just, just do the shit you want to do. Yeah. Sam, if our guys want to connect with you, they want to see the work you're doing. What's the best way for them to make that happen? Um, I'm on all the social medias. Um, 
You can look me up. Uh, honestly, if you type the Wild Initiative into just about any search bar, uh, I'll pop up. Um, you know, if you go to that special site, you can you can also buy my feet pictures. Uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> Lord, again, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, it's actually it's a it's a special it's a it's a it's a very special site. I have an account on there that's just me in white New Balances, uh, mowing the lawn, l- mowing the lawn, and turning and looking and saying, "Hey, I'm proud of you." Um, I'd make all the money, all the money. Also, giving instruction on how to hold the flashlight. But yeah, no. Um, Instagram, uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, the ever-present TikTok disaster. Uh, you can follow me on there. Um, you know, if uh, I've got the website, thewildinitiative.com, you can reach out there. Uh. I'm I'm kind of currently changing the format. It was all about hunting and fishing and the outdoors, and that's what it really focused on. And now I'm really expanding it to more including uh, homesteading and agriculture and really just the concept of what we've been talking about, of building the life you want and and doing hard things and developing um, developing that attitude of, of capability and um, and really just kind of chasing and building the life you want. So awesome. Well, I really have appreciated our conversation today, man. It's uh it's been kind of fun to have more conversation than just watching you on TikTok and actually <laughs> pick your brain a little bit. It's been good, man. No, absolutely. It's been a lot of fun. Um can't wait, can't wait to for it to come out. Awesome. Thank you so much. Sam, thanks so much for being on the Mainland Man cast with us today, man. I appreciate the work you're doing. Uh, I appreciate that you are committed to making a difference in people's lives. I appreciate that you have fun doing it and that you can entertain us and make us laugh. You're doing good work, man. I appreciate you. And guys, if you want to check out the work he's doing, uh, the link is in the show notes. So hop in the, uh, on the show notes here. You can click straight through and go to, to visit the work that Samuel is doing. Uh, anyway, guys, I wanted to thank you again so much for tuning in to the Manlyhood Mancast this season six. This has been uh, an amazing time we've had some amazing conversations and we've seen some pretty cool pretty cool people met some great men and i've been really honored to be able to bring this to you and i'm hoping that you guys continue to have conversations with us you can join our facebook group the manlyhood man cave it's for men only join the group we'll ask you a question to make sure you're a man then we'll let you in uh, we're going to build each other up there. That's what we do. We build up and encourage each other and point each other in the right direction. And it's been a really awesome experience. So I just wanted to thank you guys for being who you are, for being good at being men, and for encouraging me. So keep tuning in. We've hit half a million downloads so far. Let's see if we can hit a million in Season 7. I think we can do it. Anyway, guys, I love you, and I care about you. I'll see you next time. If you want to be a better man, check out our website, manlyhood.com, for blogs, videos, and more from our Manlyhood team. Men, you can also join our private Facebook group, Manlyhood Man Cave, where you can meet up with a band of brothers who will challenge you and help you on your journey of manhood. This episode is produced by Hatcher Media for manlyhood.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to the show. Tune in again for more of the Manlyhood Mancast. 